Good morning, everyone. Uh, so glad you're here. Uh, thank you for gathering in this place. And some of you folks up there uh, on the balcony, the lights are bright, but I see some of you up there on the, on the track in, uh, in the sanctuary. I uh, snuck over there earlier. It was good to see some of you. And then we got our True Worth friends. I mean, what a humbling honor, True Worth. Uh, you would allow us to be with you week after week after week after week. There are folks that are online. Uh, if you are a guest and you're here on the local campus, I would love to meet you after worship. If you're new, uh, you came back for the second or third time, perhaps for the first time, uh, I'd love to say hello to you. I'll be out by the Welcome Center. If you have a moment, let's just connect and stay there. Uh, we're going to open the Word here in a moment. We're going to start off in Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to kind of recover uh, the story we talked about last weekend. I'm going to kind of retell it, uh, kind of bring it back to us. We're kind of completing what we started last week. So if you want a Bible, they'll walk the aisles and bring one to you. Before we do that, uh, I'd like to pray. And uh, So God, here we are again. You've heard our songs of praise to you. Uh, we hope it has been pleasing to you. Uh, we thank you, God, for loving us so much that you understood our need to be in worship, to be with each other on a weekend, whether it be Saturday night or Sunday morning, um, be true worth or sanctuary, or just through the miracle of technology online, God, that you would allow that to happen, create community there. That you knew we needed to be together, and you knew we needed to hear from you. So God, I'm praying this morning that you will speak in a fresh way to someone, and God, there's nothing like being touched uh, by your healing love. And that someone will be touched. Uh, someone who is tired, someone who is overwhelmed, overscheduled, maybe even exhausted. Uh, they would leave here a little renewed because of your touch. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you are new or you're uh, kind of checking us out for the very first time, uh, you came on a weekend. We are uh, in the second week of a message series we're calling Drained. And we are trying to expunge three words, three phrases from our vocabulary, and those are, I am overwhelmed, I am overscheduled, I am exhausted. And so last weekend, we started in Luke chapter 10. We're going to go back to that, kind of build on last week. We're really finishing what we started last weekend. We'll do something new next week. Uh, so in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, uh, Jesus shows up. He'd been on the road. Uh, he has been traveling. Uh, he has been teaching. He has been performing miracles. Uh, the more he does that, the more people want of him. People are following, 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 following. The crowds are growing. And the more he does for people, the more they want from him and the more time they want. Jesus kind of gets to a point where he's kind of drained. He's feeling a little empty. So he stops. He walks away from the crowd, and he goes to this house. And it's this house with three friends. It's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You have the Bibles there, you see that. Verse 38, Mary and Martha, Lazarus somewhere doing something else. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene, uh, Martha goes into the kitchen. And she starts cooking, preparing something for Jesus to eat and for all that we might gather. But Mary, uh, she does something different. Uh, Mary, uh, I'm going to draw this bucket here. Some of you want to draw this there on your own notes. Mary, uh, her life, she goes... And she takes her life, and she's aware of her need from some life-giving energy. So she goes, and she sits at the feet of Jesus to fill up her bucket, to fill up her life. And so she's sitting there in the, in the Scripture, and she's visiting with Jesus. 
And Martha, she's in the kitchen. And she's cooking. She's getting everything ready. And we learned last weekend that Martha snaps. Uh, she just blows a gasket. And she comes out of that kitchen. You know, somehow we had this picture in her head. And, man, she had this wooden spoon. And she's shaking it in Jesus' face. Jesus, you make that no good for nothing dead big sister of mine. Get up off the couch and come in the kitchen and start helping me. You make her do that, Jesus. And what we learned was that that happened because Martha was living on empty I mean, she was just drained down here to the bucket. Now, I need to say something to some Marthas in the house because I got a lot of feedback from Marthas. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being a Martha. We need Marthas. We need people who are busy and hosting and taking care of all the stuff that needs to be taken care of. That's very important. It wasn't a problem that Martha was Martha. The problem was how she managed the situation, how she managed her emotions, how she dealt with the conflict. And because she was on empty, didn't handle it very well. So after last week, we laid out that foundational scripture. We begin to talk about, man, what life is like when you're, living on, when you're living on full. I ask you to think about that. When you are physically, uh, emotionally, there's barely enough room right there, uh, mentally and spiritually full. What is life like? And I ask you to think about that. And some of you started thinking, man, I'm at my best when I'm up here, blah, blah, blah. And we just talked about that. I'm really good. I'm good with God. I make good decisions, all this sort of stuff. And then we went down to here and spent most of our time last weekend talking about what life is like when you and I are on empty. And we came to the conclusion, it's pretty ugly. In fact, it's real ugly. We're resentful like Martha. We snap real quick like make something that's really little, really big. And it's just not good. Now, this weekend, we're getting on the solution side of living right here. And I hope this is more fun for some of you. Last week we left, you weren't feeling so good, some of you. Uh, you were feeling pretty drained, I think, even by just by what we did. But I'm hoping this morning, you, when you leave here, you leave a little full. And this is going to be fun, but not simple. It can be complicated. I'm just going to warn you. It can be complicated to live up here. But that's where we're going to go. And I want to begin with a question. What do you need to do? What is it you need to do to create these replenishing streams of life and energy into your drained, depleted bucket. What do you need to do to create this? What do you need to read? With whom do you need to hang? What needs to happen in your life to stop living here and to live the abundant life, the full life, that God wants for you and his great love for you. Now, I just want to have a conversation with you here this morning. 
I had this conversation just this last week with the, with the pastor. And he was, he was on empty. And so when I got to this point, I asked him, what, what do you need to do? He was just sat there. He was going, I don't know. It's been so long since I lived up here, and things were really good. I can't remember. And I said, okay, let me help you a little bit. Let's work on this together. But I made it very clear, painfully clear, and I want to make it painfully clear to everyone here, True Word Sanctuary, online, in the ark, painfully clear, it's your responsibility to do this. It's not your boss's responsibility. It's not your church's responsibility. It's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's your responsibility to come up with a strategy for your life where you're living up here full of what God wants to have for your life. It's your job to do that. Nobody can do it for you. I was asked by a local church who had a small staff, small church, two full-time people, three part-time people, if I would just kind of spend some time with them and share some of the stuff that happens around this place and how God has transformed this place and what God has done. I said, sure, be happy to have the conversation. So we're having the conversation, and I discovered that many of them on their staff, they, they were, they were kind of down here. And so I kind of led them through, took a little few minutes to lead them through this exercise. And when I got to this point right here of what do you need to do to live up here, what sort of... For replenishing strings that you have in your life, uh, no one said a thing. I sat there for five minutes and didn't say a word. You know how hard that is for me? <laughs> but I said, I'm not going to help them. I just sat there. Pretty soon one of them said, well, you know, years ago I used to do this. Someone else said, ah, oh, you know, years ago I used to do that. One of the others said, hey, you know what? I think I'll try that. And all of a sudden, the dam just broke. Boom, idea, idea. They were just flooding the place with ideas. And when they left, every single one of them left with a strategy to fill up their life so they could live up here. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Dallas and I are doing our Saturday thing that we like to do. Uh, we go into Fort Worth and go to the grocery store, and we go to Sprouts, and we go to Costco. And it's kind of a date thing that we do together. It's just something we like to do. It kind of replenishes us. And so we're in Costco, and this pastor from this local church, he comes and taps me on the shoulder and said, Hey, pastor. Ah, good to see you. He said, Yeah. Uh, first of all, he said, I just want to tell you, thank you on behalf of the community again uh, for when you hosted the funeral for Dawson Barnes and, uh, and for, McKin for Kinsey. And just stopped for a minute and just said, man, you just need to know your church is making a difference. And I just, man, I was just, oh, just so thankful and proud of who you are and your willingness to serve people that you don't know. And he just went on about that. And then he said, hey, I got to tell you, I figured it out. I've got my, my replenishing strings. And, I, and, man, it's working. I feel so much better. I feel like I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. Uh, I'm a better employee. I'm more creative. I just, my life is so much better. I'm going to make you a promise. If you figure this out, there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to go, man, uh, I never knew life could be this good. Uh, 
this is the best it's ever been. I feel like I'm the best husband, I'm the best wife, I'm the best dad, I'm, I'm the best employee, I'm the best boss. I mean, life, I just, I'm, in, I'm in conversation with God, I'm, my prayers are great, I'm connected with God, I feel good mentally, physically, emotionally, boom, it can happen. And you're going to say, I'm never, ever going to live like this again because now I know how to live up here. One of my jobs is this church has grown. My job has changed as senior pastor. One of my primary jobs is to take care of our, your church staff. You have hired an incredible staff over the years. It's a pretty large staff now. And one of my primary jobs is to make sure they're okay. Because you need to know they love you and they're sold out to this mission. Some of them work seven days a week. You call them at all hours of the day and night. You text them at all hours of the day and night. And uh, they love you. They love this church. They're really sold out. But here's what I know. Many of them, they live down here a lot. And they work in the church. And one of my jobs is to teach them skills to make sure they stay up here. That's part of my job. And I want you to have those skills. I want you to live up here as well and learn how to do it on your own. And so here's your homework assignment. Remember I said homework every week of this series. So here it is early. It's coming early in this, in this, in this one. Here's your homework. And it's on the back of your life steps as a part of it. If, you, if you're new here, on the back you see life steps for scripture to read every week. I want you to come up with your own strategy of replenishing streams into the bucket of your life so you can live up here on full and not be living down here full of resentment and negativity and being so critical all the time. Well, you can live up here in a good spot. And yours is going to be different than other people's. It's going to be unique for you. Everybody is different. There may be some similarities. But you have to figure it out. Now, some of you right now are thinking, I don't know where to start. I don't have a clue. So I'm going to share with you five of mine. I've got more. I'm just going to share you five of mine. Some of you might want to write them down to help you kind of jumpstart your thinking this week. You don't have to, but I just know people who take notes, they seem to learn the most, and they retain well later on in the week. I'm just saying, and then you do it. I'm not trying to tell you what yours are. I'm going to share with you what my five are, and it works for me. you got to figure out what works for you. Here's the first one, my relationship with God. Most important. I'm going to put a picture up here on the screen for you. I want you to look at it. This is a picture of Michelangelo. It's on the, he put on the Sistine Chapel. Of the hand of God reaching out to grasp a human hand that's reaching out to God. Now, I want you to picture the hand on the left is your hand. Whether you're watching online, you're in Tree Worth, or on uh, Sanctuary, wherever, I want you to picture the hand on the left. Can you please leave that up there? Put it up there and leave it up there, please. I, I know some folks that are online. I know the problem of that, but thank you. Just leave it up there for a minute. I want you to picture the hand on the left is yours. The other hand is God. I want you to stay focused on that picture. And I want you to imagine in your mind those two hands coming together till they're firmly grasped. And God is actually holding your hand. I want you to have that picture and that sense right now that you're holding God's hand. The single most replenishing dynamic in my life is when I know that my hand is firmly being held by the hand of God himself. 
and I know it. When I am full of his love, when I'm having conversations with God throughout the day, and the Holy Spirit is whispering, and, I, and I'm listening, I'm intentionally listening for the Holy Spirit whisperings of God, and when I sense God nudging and speaking to me and asking me to do something, I act upon it. When I'm in that sweet place of knowing that my hand and God's hand are tightly held together, that is the single most replenishing dynamic in my life. There is nothing more powerful than the touch of God on a human life. It's life-giving. It's changing. Uh, in the course of my day, just a word from God can totally change my day from a good day, from a bad day, to an awful day, to, to a wonderful day, from an average day to an incredible day. It can take you from here to there. Just a little whisper can take me from maybe a quarter field, man, all the way up here to three quarters in rising. It's amazing. Uh, so, some of you like to take power naps. Nothing wrong with a power nap. I will tell you, a midday connection with God energizes you more than a 15-minute power nap. It can. That's the power of the touch of God on a human life. When, 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 I, when me and God are connected, when I, when I am right where I need to be with God, some of you are going to get this, some of you are going to go, really? I don't, I don't get this at all. Uh, when I am right in that spot, I need to be in my relationship with God. Uh, others people's opinion um, of me really matters very little. I give very little weight to other people's opinion of me when I'm right with God. I'm not as concerned about other people's agenda for me. Because when my hand is, is tightly in the hand of God, I'm trying to do God's agenda for my life. And I will tell you, God's agenda for your life, it is perfect. And so when your hands and my hands are, are firmly, and I, I trust that my hand is in God's hand and the touch of God is upon my life, uh, I'm far less likely to come down here into the Martha syndrome of you tell them to help me. I'm carrying the whole load. I'm the responsible person in the household. He doesn't care. She doesn't care. Those kids don't care. Nobody wants to do this but me. I'm far less likely to go down here and I have to hear Jesus say, hey, Martha, Martha. Hey, Rick, Rick. You're worried and upset about so many things, Jesus said. It really doesn't matter. There's only one thing that matters. Only one, the scripture says in that story. In that hand, in the hand of the one who loves you more than life itself. See, when I'm good with God. All the noises of the world go silent. Have you noticed the world is pretty noisy? People are telling you, yeah, do this, you gotta do that. And I'm telling you, when you're right with God and that is swift, you're in a sweet spot, the noise goes silent. You just hear one voice. It's amazing. 
Proverbs 16:9 puts it this way: uh, the plans of the human heart. The human heart makes all these plans, but the Lord establishes and orders your steps. And when your hand is in the hand of God, you're just keeping in step with the steps that God has for your life, not what other people have. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion of what you need to be doing with your life. This is one of the reasons why I've been on you so much for these past few years, and I know some of you are tired of me saying it, of asking you, almost begging you, I think I've even said, to pick a time and a place where you're going to meet with God every single day. Every single day. Psalm 46.10, it goes this way. Be still and know that I am God. You've got to get still. You've got to get still. Say, God, I'm here to meet with you. And you open up this little book called the Bible. And you actually read on the back of your life steps, on the back of your message notes. Every week there's life steps. And you read one of those things. You read the scripture and you just kind of sit there. And you let the scripture pour into your life. And you let God whisper into your life. Because the more God whispers and you allow God to speak into your life, God's voice, not other voices, God's voice, you become secure in your identity that you're a daughter of God. That you're a son of God. You become secure in that. And when you're secure in your identity, you don't live down here. When people try to pull you down, the voices of the world, hey, come on down, let's do this stuff. And man, when you're living down here, you're, you wind up doing some stuff that uh, you don't want to be doing. You don't need to be doing. But when you're secure in your identity, you don't do some of that stupid stuff. Because you're a child of God, and you know it, because you're right with God. You're going to stop doing some things. You're going to stop some of the drama. You're going to stop getting sucked into somebody else's drama. You're going to stop impression management. You know what impression management is? So many of us spend all this energy, it drains us, trying to impress other people. So worried about how you look. So worried about what you're saying. So worried how that photo is going to be seen on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, and you doctor it and change it a thousand times to look just perfect to get the likes that you want. But when your hand is firmly in the hand of God, you live to please one person, and that is God himself. And there is nothing more freeing to live your life only to please him. And boy, when you're just tight with him, it just, church, it's the single number one most replenishing dynamic in my life. I can handle all sorts of stuff when that's right. That's for me, number one. Number two is my family. My family. This is a picture right here of my family. Uh, let me put that back. That was kind of quick. <laughs> I kind of like looking at them a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and what the miracle of this is, we're getting ready to go on a plane on vacation. You know where we're going? Disney World. Disney Hell. <laughs> and I say, okay, I'll go with you. Because my family's not a burden for me, even if they're going to Disney. 
because I'm going to spend as much time as I can with each and every one of those folks. Uh, James and Corinne, uh, James got the, Corinne's over here on the left, and James over there in the corner kind of with the blue shirt and the, and the khaki shorts. So they live in East Tennessee. I FaceTime them uh, every week, every week. Uh, I had multiple conversations with Jacob sometime a day. He'd call me early in the morning, late at night. I mean, we're always, I mean, my family's not a burden to me. I put it on my schedule to make sure I connect with them for me to replenish them and so I can be replenished by them. It's part of my schedule. I put it on. It's intentional. It's a plan. Uh, this little girl right here, uh, some of you have met her, some of you don't, but you've heard about her, some of you have. Uh, this is our little granddaughter, Lennox. Um, I didn't see it coming. I got to tell you, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I, I love being a dad. We're going to leave it up there for a second. If you're watching online, I'm sorry, boys, because it's all about me right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I love being a dad. I, I, I still do. I have three sons. I'm tight with all three of them. They're men, and I love them all. They see me. I love. I give them a hug. They say, Dad, I love you. I love you. I mean, they never leave. Jacob never leaves without saying, I love you, Dad. I don't care how many people are there. Uh, they all three are that way. It's just, it's just tight. I love being a father-in-law. Uh, those three daughters, uh, they're, they're like they came from Dallas's wing themselves. That's how much I love those three girls that they have married. But when this little girl here was born, uh, it was a game changer. It really was. I know some of you said, hey, oh, you can't wait to see this little girl wrap you around her finger. Well, she doesn't have me wrapped around her finger, not like what I thought, because I have boundaries, and I've already spanked her little bottom several times, and, <laughs> and I have rules for her and everything. But here's what happens. When I'm holding her, and she puts her little fingers, and she moves my cheek and looks me in the eye and says, Papa, hi. It's the most pure form of love I've ever known in my life. I can't explain it. It's not a burden to me. It's never a burden. She spent the night with us last night. I had to get up early and work this morning. Bring her. We'll keep her. It replenishes me. And I will never understand when young couples in this church come to me. And they're overwhelmed. They're exhausted. They're whooped. They're overscheduled. And they don't know how to do it. They can't find a babysitter. They can't afford a babysitter. And they come to me and they say, I say, well, oh my, well what about the grandparents? And they go, oh, well, you know, uh, they really don't care. They're not too interested in our kid. And I go, really? They go, yeah, yeah, they're busy. They're playing golf. They're traveling. They got all these things they got to do, you know, making defense for them. And I don't, I don't say that loud, but in mind, you know what I'm going in my head? I'm going, wow. Because my granddaughter, besides Jesus Christ, is the most replenishing element of love in my life that I have. And she's never a burden. Can I say something to any grandparents in the house watching online Sanctuary Tree Wars? Anyone? Can I just be very direct with you, but do it with love in my heart? If your kids have invited you into your grandchildren's lives, And you're too busy, and your calendar's too full. I could say two or three things are in play here. One is you're overscheduled, or your priorities are all messed up. Or number three, you got some work to do in your family tree to make some fences and reconcile and to make some things right. 
Uh, you just do. And young adults, if you're keeping your kids from your grandparents because of issues within you, fix it. Psalm 127.3 Children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift from God. I love verse 5 where it says, the person who has a full quiver is blessed. I'm praying for fertility at a high level for 20 grandkids to be born to our family. <laughs> I want to be replenished. <laughs> it's all about me, I told you. Uh, number three, satisfying work. Satisfying work. Uh, these are the people that I work with. Every day. This is the executive leadership team of your church. I work alongside Becky Prince, Judy Madden, uh, Chris Bohan, Jeff Gale, and Alan Mink. I can't wait to get to work and to work along. They are awesome, incredible people. The next group is the, is the ministry leadership team. Uh, Roxanne Ancy is, was not in that photo, but uh, you see, again, a group of people that I get to work along with. I would also add Paul Keese into that, that I work side by side with right now. Uh, I, I, love, I, I love what I get to do with these people. Ecclesiastes 5 uh, puts it this way. Uh, this is what I observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, here it comes, find satisfaction in their toilsome labor during the few days of life that God has given them. In other words, life is short. Your bucket's not that big. Your bucket is smaller. Life is short. And if your job sucks the life out of you week after week, month after month, year after year, then if I'm you, I'm on my knees every day. And I'm saying, God, I'm asking, I'm seeking, and I'm knocking. Something has got to change in my life. You got to change my attitude. You got to change my department. You got to change my boss. You got to give me a new opportunity because it's not working. If it's again and again and again taking you down to here. Ecclesiastes is clear. Your work should offer you some measure of satisfaction. It may not have all the perks, it may not have the position, it may not have the prestige, it may not have the salary. But here's what I know. 99% of the people that I know that live up here, their job fills them up in some measure. And if yours doesn't, I think God would want you to have more. He would want your life to be more than a drudgery, some level of satisfaction. Now, I know this is complicated. I know you just can't. Listen, nobody go home and say, well, Rick said I can quit my job. <laughs> Pastor said I'm done. I hate that sucker. I'm out of here. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. I'm on record. This is being recorded. I didn't say that. Here's what I am saying. If that is you, you need to start having some conversations and start making some plans. And here's the fourth thing for me, recreation. Recreation. Uh, I started to put this last because this is a problem for me. I don't do this very well. I have to work at it. 
Uh, I used to be a lot of fun. I mean, I used to be a lot of fun. We got a picture on the screen uh, that Judy Madden sent me that said, when I used to be fun. Uh, Rick, you, Rick, you used to be fun. Uh, Dallas and I, you love to dance. I love to dance. I mean, I really love, like dancing. I like it a whole lot. Uh, I used to dance just during the week. I mean, I would just dance into the parking lot, dance down the aisle, just dance. And uh, Dallas started talking to me. He said, you know what, Rick, you're not nearly as husband as you, near as much fun as you used to be. Even the office staff, I think, sometimes say, you know, Rick, you're not nearly as much fun. Uh, we'll go on a retreat, right, and with the with leadership staff. And about 6 o'clock, they're ready to break for, for dinner time. I'm going, we've got, we got two or three more hours left. What are you all talking about? They said, no, we want to eat and play some games and have some fun. I said, no, we've got to get some work done. I said, well, you can work by yourself. We're going to play board games. <laughs> We're having some fun. Uh, I struggle with that. Years ago, I didn't. Man, I played softball like crazy. I played on many multiple teams during the week, played on tournaments over the weekend. Then we started having kids, and that changed because they started playing. So I started coaching, and that was fun. I coached sometimes two teams at the same time. It was fun. Some people are here because we, got, we met each other through coaching and all those endeavors. And, and then all my sons stopped playing for teams I could coach, and I get into high school. When the last one's done, man, I'm watching them. I'm going and watching them and watching them play all these sports, and I loved it. Never missed a game. Loved all of it. Ex- very tiring, right? I mean, stressful, too, because it's out of your control. You, all you do is watch. <laughs> you know, but it's still fun. And then they, they leave, and Jacob finishes in college, and they're all gone. I'm going, what do you do for fun now? People started asking me to go play golf. I love to play golf. Uh, but I just for reasons, I said, no, I can't go do that. And here's why. For one thing, golf, it takes a long time to play one round of golf. And then you got to practice, because I'm not okay with being down here. <laughs> There's just something about that that's not okay. So you got to practice a lot. It's even more time consuming, right? And it's also very expensive to play a lot, right? And so I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I can't justify the time or the money when people are poor, can't put a meal on the table for their kids, and people in the hospital going through a divorce and all these noble things until a Christian counselor pulled me aside here in the church and said, you know what, Rick? You need some more fun in your life. Go play golf. And I said, no, I just can't. I said, listen, the word recreation, recreate. When you have recreation, you are recreating like God is a creator, recreating vitality and energy in your life. God would want you to recreate, to recreate life in you. So I said, ah, I get it. So I'm going to go have some fun. Not golf. <laughs> Ranger game. Dallas and I would go to 10 to 15 Ranger games a year. We love it. We took our daughter, granddaughter, Lennox, this year for the very first time. It was her first, I've been going since 1972. She goes for the very first time. She gets a ball. I've never gotten a ball ever. <laughs> the favor of God is upon that girl. So I'm just saying, God's favor is already there. Uh, we, man, we go. We, we love going watching every sport that our, our kids, we love going to high school sports. Whether it be volleyball or football or softball, we just go. We just go enjoy. We love cheering and being a part, especially ones that our kids are, are coaching. And we, we go to concerts. Last Saturday night after worship, we went over to Venue 510 and saw Stephen Curtis Champion, Chapman. We had great seats. It was a, We left just filled up. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't care what it is. Stamp collecting, rock collecting, flying kites, hiking, playing a sport. You need to find something in your life you do just simply for fun. God would want you to laugh and to recreate.
For me, y'all go golf all you want to. I'm sticking with the baseball sport thing because it's biblical. All the Bible is founded on it. Very first chapter, first verse. In the big inning, God created. <laughs> baseball existed before creation. So that's just me. Here's my final thing. We'll wrap this up. Eating, exercise, and healthy sleep patterns. Eating, exercise, and healthy sleep patterns. Do all the research, all the research, scientists, doctors, theologians. When you get those three things right, you're going to get a 20% boost of energy right off the bat. 20% minimum guarantee. Now, we're about to wrap this thing up, and I feel the guilt and the shame building in the room. Because anytime you bring up anything regarding the body, shame and guilt, so I'm declaring a shame and guilt-free zone, okay? And I'm going to read a scripture. I want you to listen. We'll put it on the screen. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and spiritual, for your proper worship. I want you to hear what it says. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. A living. Here's what that means. What you eat matters to God. The physical condition of your body, it matters to God. Your sleep patterns, they matter to God. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I'm going to stop right there on that. I got a whole message just on this subject. I was so inspired this week by this verse and knowing the impact on so many people. I went ahead and wrote the message. I know I'm going to tweak it, but we're going to do it in early January. We're going, to, we're going to go there and do this, okay? So you get ready, but don't wait till then. Oh, I'll just wait till January. <laughs> Why do people say Christmas? Man, when it gets the first of the year, I'm going to. Okay. Here's where we are. I want to say something with love in my heart, but as directly as I can. Somebody needs to hear this. This has got to stop. It's got to stop. Some of you, you have no connection to God whatsoever. You pay no attention to God's presence and he's with you every step of the way. Some of you, your family's a mess. Your family is messed up. Some of you have jobs you loathe. Some of you have zero fun in your life. Zero. And some of you, you give no regard to your body. None. You just throw caution to the wind. And you're living down here. And the longer you live down here, you're going to make more bad decisions. You're going to complicate your life. You're going to make your life more expensive. You're going to make your life more drama. 
you're going to create more problems because you choose, by the way you live, to live down here. And it's your responsibility. You say, you're right, Pastor. It's my life. I can live the way I want to. It's mine. Oh, yeah, you can. That's why I'm telling you it's your responsibility. I'm also going to say this. One of the most selfish things a person can do is to live down here like this because it impacts every single person around you. So I'm asking you to stop being selfish. And for the sake of people who love you and are counting on you to figure this out. And stop acting like a you-know-what down here. We're going to put this image back on the screen one more time because I think it begins there. It begins, some of you, maybe some of you here this morning, for the very first time or the long time, you go, okay, God, I need to grab hold of your hand. I've let go too many times. I just let go. I'm going to hold on. You just need to hold on. I want to say it again. God loves you. There's no hand that reaches out that God won't grab hold of. You just got to reach out. He loves you so much. And there's nothing more powerful than the touch of God upon a person's life. <laughs> nothing. Maybe some of you got to go home. You need to talk to somebody in your family. You got to go make it right. Hey, honey, uh, I know I've not been replenishing you. Be quite honestly, you've not been replenishing me. We need to talk about this. Here's what I need. What, what, what do you need from me? How can I replenish you? Uh, some of you, you need to talk to your kids. You need to train your kids. You know that I, I, I call and text my kids and I say, listen, boys, sons, uh, you need to call your mother. She needs replenishing. You need to call her today. She needs to hear from you. Uh, for, for nine months, all you did was suck the life out of her. And then she sacrificed a career. She did it willingly. But she did it because she loved you. And now your mom, it'd really be good if you called her. Are you listening, husbands? That's our job, to train our kids on how to replenish Maybe some of you need to call somebody and say, ah, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. Maybe some of you got to get the work thing right. Maybe, maybe some of you got to uh, get the job thing right. You know, some of you need to have more fun. Maybe some of you got to start taking care of your body right. I don't know. But here's how we're going to win this thing up. Uh, we're going to leave this on the screen here a little bit. I'm going to leave this bucket right here. And we're going to end the staggered fears just for a few minutes here. I want to give you time. Maybe some of you got to run. You're, you're over scared. You got to run. You know, you got to run. But if you don't have to run, I just want you to sit there for a few minutes and finish whatever business with God you need to take care of. I'm going to read this passage to you. Just kind of let it sit over you. It's from your life step this morning. Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will never grow tired. 
He'll never grow weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power, the energy of the weak. Hey, even young people, they're going to grow tired. They're going to grow weary. Young men, they're going to stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, who grab hold of his hand and hold on to his hand, will renew their strength. They will soar on wing like eagles. They will run. They will not grow weary. They'll walk. And they will not be faint. <laughs>